The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Oranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, August 26th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guests, Dr. Brian Hooker, Marcella Piper-Terry, and Candace Estes. Dr. Brian Hooker is a biochemist and associate professor of biology at Simpson University. Dr. Hooker has worked in biotechnology research for 25 years, and he has over 50 scientific publications. Marcella Piper-Terry and Candace Estave talked with us also last week on August 19th. Marcella Piper-Terry is the founder of Vax Truth, which can be found at vaxtruth.org. Marcella initiated the No Shots, No School, Not True billboard campaign and now Marcella and health advocate Candace Estave and frontline parents across the country are implementing a grassroots education effort to protect infants and children. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm really glad to be with you. You are quite welcome. Dr. Hooker, we're going to start today's discussion with you, talking about your study titled Measles, Mumps, rubella vaccination timing, and autism among young African-American boys, a reanalysis of CDC data, which recently was published August 8th in the peer-reviewed publication, Translational Neurodegeneration. But first, let's look at the 2004 publication by DeStefano and colleagues that manipulated data. That paper was called Age at First Measles, Mumps, Rubella Vaccination in Children with Autism and School-Matched Control Subjects, a population-based study in metropolitan Atlanta. Dr. Hooker, can you please remind us who Frank DiStefano and the other co-authors were? Sure. Um, Frank DiStefano is uh, the current head and has been uh, the, uh, the director of the Immunization Safety Office in the CDC uh, for a number of years, I think that he um, he he was director about 2005, um, left the CDC, and then recently has come back to assume that same position. Um, one of the other authors is Dr. Colleen Boyle. Uh, some of your viewers may remember that she testified in the uh, 2012 hearings uh, in the Congressional Oversight and Government Reform Committee. She is now the director of the National Center for Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities. She's just one step under the CDC director himself. Uh, and then uh, Marceline um, Jurgen Alsop, who is uh, also in management. She is uh, the director for the uh, developmental disabilities branch and uh, answers to uh, Dr. Colleen Boyle. There's one other author. Her name is Tanya uh, Basin. Tanya Basin is no longer at the CDC. She left the CDC uh, fairly soon after that particular paper uh, was published. And then finally, uh, Dr. Bill Thompson, who is a senior scientist, at, uh, at the CDC currently in the National Center for Birth Defects and Developmental Disabilities. Thank you, Dr. Hooker. In 2004, at the Institute of Medicine, or IOM, meeting, Frank DiStefano gave a presentation to the Immunization Safety Review Committee on the MMR paper. His last statement of his presentation, page 93, is, Children with autism were more likely to be vaccinated before 36 months of age 
compared to matched controls, end quote. Dr. Hooker, isn't that another way of stating children who were vaccinated prior to 36 months were more likely to have autism compared to matched controls? If that is the case, then... Go ahead, I'm sorry. If that is the case, then didn't the CDC concede that your basic point that children vaccinated earlier with MMR were more likely to have autism? That is correct. Uh, the children that, you know, this, this was a, um, a statement made uh, at the 2004 IOM meeting, Vaccines and Autism. Oddly enough, despite Dr. DiStefano's statement, the Institute of Medicine said, you know, that there was no biologically plausible link between the MMR and autism. That was one of the conclusions of the report that came out of the meeting. But this was a concession. And um, you're basically uh, saying the same, the same thing. Now, CDC dismisses this result, and they say that, oh, well, that's because uh, in the state of Georgia, these children had to get their immunizations on time in order to uh, participate in special education programs for uh, children with autism. So, so there was a rush to vaccinate. But if you look at the actual data, that's just not true. The, uh, the bulk of the children in that particular portion of the study uh, received their MMR vaccines uh, probably, you know, much uh, earlier than they would be old enough to get an autism diagnosis. So uh, these were children that, uh, you know, a, a large portion of them regressed into autism. And so uh, the CDC's weasel words uh, where they say, oh, this was just, a, you know, a vaccination effect so they could get into special ed, um, it, it really doesn't hold waters and actually on many levels. So this, would I be correct in saying this shows an association between the MMR vaccine and autism? That is correct. They saw a positive, statistically significant association between the MMR vaccine and autism. They saw it, um, there was a 50% greater uh, incidence of autism in the entire cohort. And this is directly from the DiStefano study. There was a 69% increase when they considered boys only. And then uh, when they considered African-Americans within their original work, this was not published, this was withheld, then they saw a 120% increase of autism for those individuals that got their MMR on time. Therefore, the CDC conceded that in 2004 before the IOM, correct? They conceded that in 2004 before the uh, Institute of Medicine meeting, correct? That is correct. That is, you know, there is, there's, no, there's no way around the statistics. That is, that is absolutely correct. Does the IOM report acknowledge that, Dr. Hooker? Um, I... I am not familiar as as to the exact verbiage of the IOM report, but I do know that they have within that report excerpts from the De Stefano study, and and how the IOM then came up with the conclusion that there was no relationship between the MMR vaccine and autism is really beyond me. It's almost like they ignored their own information. Mm-hmm. So. Was the statement by DeStefano at the IOM, his very last statement, uh-huh. consistent with the paper for which DeStefano was the lead author? It's, it is completely consistent with the paper. It is, it, it is um, you know, the statement was made verbatim. The only thing that the paper did that was uh, different was they tried to ascribe uh, this effect uh, not to the MMR playing a causal role in autism, but they just said they 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 uh, put the put the cart before the horse. They said, "Oh, these children with autism, they had autism before, and they got MMR early, so they could participate in these special ed programs." A colleague of ours sent me part of the 2004 IOM report and asked me to ask you, Dr. Hooker, to explain why this statement is important. So if you'll please bear with me, I'll read it briefly here, and then you can address it. Here's the statement. 
Similar proportions of children received the MMR vaccine by the recommended age of 18 months and before 24 months, the age at which developmental delays are normally recognized in children with autism. The rates of vaccination prior to 36 months were higher among cases per 93.4% than among controls per 90.6%. Odds ratio equals 1.49, 95% confidence interval 1.04 to 2.14 in the total sample. Odds ratio equals 1.23, 95% confidence interval 0.64 to 2.36 in the birth certificate sample. Close paren. This association was strongest in the age group of three to five-year-olds. The authors suggested that this likely reflected immunization requirements for early intervention programs. The authors identified several strengths of the study. It was a large population-based study with a well-defined case and control population. In addition, a panel of autism experts reviewed case records to confirm that cases met the DSM-4 criteria. Immunization records were obtained from standardized school records, thus eliminating possibility of recall bias. Data on clinical and behavioral factors and vaccination data were obtained from independent sources, thereby reducing potential information bias. The study also controlled for confounding demographic and birth factors. One limitation of the study was the lack of vaccination records for one-third of the 987 case children owing to transfers to schools outside the Atlanta Public School District. In addition, a sub-analysis of children with Georgia birth certificates was conducted to evaluate potential confounders in terms of birth and maternal characteristics. The birth certificate sample did have lower odds ratios, which could represent random fluctuation or potential bias related to being born outside of Georgia. Now, um, Dr. Hooker, would you care to comment on the importance, the significance of what I've just read? Um, what this this particular study shows a relationship between the timing of the MMR vaccine and autism, and uh, showed it within the entire cohort. Now, uh, the also um, the the strengths of the study. This you know these data were collected well before anybody at the CDC had considered doing a study on autism and MMR vaccine. So these, these are, these are um, uh, uh, pristine data. They were, not correct, they were not collected to prove any point. They were not collected for any specific study. These were just data that were available through the uh, Metropolitan Atlanta school districts. And uh, they came from five counties uh, in metropolitan Atlanta, um, had a large population of children with autism, and then controls that were matched directly to those uh, children with autism. So this is a uh, it is a very very clean study, and um, you know the IOM report is is incorrect. It says that there was a lack of vaccination records for one third of the cases. That's not that's just not correct. The um, all of the vaccine records were available for all these individuals, and uh, so there's, you know, I, I don't see that as being correct. Thank you, Dr. Hooker, and we will pick up with this conversation with Dr. Brian Hooker when we return to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Please join us when we return. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you struggling with loss in your life? Whether it's grief, personal healing, or serious life changes that you are dealing with, tune in to Voices for Healing with host Kathy Roberts. Everything that happens to us teaches us and gives us hope and possibility. Kathy and her guest experts will bring you the tools that you need to start the healing process. There are so many ways to transform loss. Where can we take you? Listen every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had your CBD today? 
CBD or cannabidiol is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is, have you had your CBD today? Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Brian Hooker. Dr. Brian Hooker is a biochemist and associate professor of biology at Simpson University. Dr. Hooker has worked in biotechnology research for 25 years and has over 50 scientific publications. We're also on the line and will be joined uh, in a little bit by Marcella Piper-Terry and Candice Estave. In the first segment, we've been talking with Dr. Hooker about the 2004 publication by Stefano and colleagues that manipulated data. That was called Age at First Measles, Mumps, Rubella Vaccination in Children with Autism and School-Matched Control Subjects, a population-based study in metropolitan Atlanta. And we uh, pretty much um, let our listeners know that... um, an association uh, was, uh, or the CDC conceded um, in 2004 before the IOM that there was an association before the MMR, uh, between the MMR vaccine and autism. Does that pretty well sum it up, Dr. Hooker? That's correct. That's correct. The, the uh, verbiage that uh, Dr. DeStefano made in his, uh, in his presentation to the IOM, the um, information that's in the actual DeStefano CDC study, also that they got a, a positive statistically significant association. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hooker. And, uh, yeah, Frank DeStefano at the 2004 Institute of Medicine meeting said children with autism were more likely to be vaccinated before 36 months of age compared to matched controls, and we discerned that that was another way of stating children who were vaccinated prior to 36 months were more likely to have autism compared to matched controls. Now we're going to turn our attention to Dr. Brian Hooker's paper, uh, your work as presented in the peer-reviewed translational neurodegeneration publication. How did you go about gathering the data from the CDC for the DiStefano and colleagues 2004 study? Well, uh, first of all, this data, these data have been buried since 
2004. Nobody, nobody has had access to this information. Nobody has been able to request this specific information. But uh, in uh, December of 2013, I made a uh, information request to the CDC. This was not a FOIA request. This was actually a, a scientific request for the public use data set. And by law, I did remind them in my correspondence that by law, uh, you know, this this study uh, was uh, government funded. It also had uh, the force and effect of law regarding the MMR vaccine and the timing of the MMR vaccine. And so by law, they needed to supply these data. And uh, so lo and behold, in then uh, 2013 or January of 2014, then they were able to turn uh, turn around and, and give me the original data set and um, allowed me to uh, do specific analyses. And uh, this, I, I should also mention that I was uh, in contact uh, with the whistleblower at this time, and uh, he specifically told me, he said, hey, start here. Started this with this particular study. And this was not the only data set that I got. There are other studies um, where I am reanalyzing the data, and there are publications that I've authored that are forthcoming. Uh, but this was the first one uh, that I did because there were just some obvious issues of fraud and malfeasance. So to summarize, the data that you used came right from the CDC, and you were given the heads up on this by someone who was personally involved with the CDC and who was involved with the study and the data that you were uh, taking a look at. That is correct. That is correct. I, I was I was able uh, to get this information. It came out of the front door of the CDC, but um, I was I was actually told to look at this information first by the one of the co-authors of the study and the individual that served as the the official statistician and epidemiologist for this study. Very good. So. Dr. Hooker, as a, uh, a Ph.D. biochemist, a, an associate professor of biology, you've worked in biotechnology research at this point for probably over 25 years. You have over 50 scientific publications. What analyses did you complete on these data? Well, what I wanted to do was I, I wanted to look at um, both the the total set of information that uh, was in this study, as well as the set of information uh, where, you know, what they call the birth certificate cohort, and this was a smaller slice of the uh, individuals that participated in this, in this study. It was about, uh, there were about 60% uh, of the total individuals were able to produce a valid state of Georgia birth certificate. So I looked at both of those in separate analyses, and I, and I analyzed the data three sep using three separate statistical methods. Um, I used the exact CDC method in order to analyze these data. It's called uh, uh, conditional and unconditional logistic regression. Uh, it's a very standard technique that, and, and you compare um, essentially in these populations what is the effect of the timing or age of the first MMR vaccine on the incidence of autism. Does delaying this cause less incidence of autism or does, uh, or does it not have a statistically significant effect? Then from this information, and um, I started to look at specifically at what happened in race and gender categories. And so what I did see very, very quickly was a strong effect in African-Americans when uh, they got the MMR on time versus whether they uh, got the MMR after 36 months. So I saw a strong statistically significant effect, and that was intriguing to me. And then I further did a study, and I felt like there were enough individuals in this study to attain statistical significance, and indeed there were. Then I further did a study that CDC never did, which was just to look at African-American males. And when I did that, it was a, a very, very simple, very elegant statistical analysis that I saw that African-American males were 3.4 times more likely to get an autism diagnosis 
if they got the MMR on time versus those that got the MMR after 36 months of age. Okay, so what you've said to me here, Dr. Hooker, is that you used three separate types of statistical analyses and that you used the exact CDC methodology uh, for analyzing uh, the data as well, conditional and unconditional uh, logistical regression. You use well, the you exact... Did good. <laughs> that's great. These are, these are pretty highfalutin statistical terms, but yes, that's, that's exactly what I did. Okay. And can you just reiterate for our listeners, please, how you knew that you were doing the exact same uh, analysis well, as had was, been done by the was... CDC? Yes, yes. Uh, while I was doing these studies, um, I was uh, in contact with the individual that uh, ran the statistics, and uh, I was comparing notes with him uh, directly on how I did the studies, and um, I was also looking back at uh, the um, original De Stefano paper to, you know, analyze, okay, what methodologies are they using? And then on top of that, um, I had the original uh, statistical analysis programs. We, we run this into in a statistical software package called SAS, and I had the CDC's original SAS programs. So what I could do is I could uh, run it directly. I could then alter it so it could look at populations that the CDC did not report on, namely African-Americans in the entire sample, not just the birth certificate sample, and African-American males. So I was able to do that and, uh, and know that you know, I had the exact uh, programming that the CDC used, and all I had to do was simply check that over and then run that. Wow. Can I get a wow from Marcella and Candace? Wow, Brian. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, I, had the same, I had the same information. You had the same information. You used the exact CDC methodology for analysis. You had the same computer program. That is correct. That's and, what replication but, is about. Yet you found that there was a problem. That's an understatement problem. You found <laughs> that there was a grave risk that the public should have been aware of. That is correct. I mean, we had, it, it, was, it was uncanny because I went through and I looked at all of the different race and gender categories and what I saw was this extremely strong, statistically significant effect only in African-American males. I did not see the effect in African-American females. I did not see the effect in Caucasian and other races, male and female. It was, very, it was, it was a very tight relationship, and it was very, very specific for African-American males. It was so strong that it drove, actually, uh, when, when DiStefano did his original work, that drove the numbers up for the rest of the cohort, for everybody in the cohort. Can you repeat that, please? It was so strong that it raised up the numbers in everybody, in, in everyone in the cohort. That African-American effect was so strong that it caused the rest of the statistics to be skewed to show an effect. And with that, we're going to take a brief break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay by your radio. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is... Have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Brian Hooker, and Dr. Brian Hooker is a Ph.D. biochemist and an associate professor of biology who's worked in biotechnology research for over 25 years. He has over 50 scientific publications, probably more by now, and he's well-credentialed. And let's just jump right in. Um, Dr. Hooker, um, so how did you know that they, and please define they for us, they knew about this relationship Please define that relationship and chose to bury it. Okay. The, um, this, the CDC scientists, the five scientists that were on this particular publication, uh, they, I, I have the background notes from their meetings. You know, they met, the scientists met on a regular basis. And if you look at the background notes from these, from these meetings, the, the statistician uh, in the group um, elucidated, he showed that this relationship existed. And um, the, if you look at the meeting notes back from November 7th, 2001, okay, this is almost 13 years ago, uh, the data were presented to the rest of the CDC team that was doing the study. And so we, you know, I have the background data. I have the actual statistical numbers. And all the statistician was doing was following the protocol. I, I also have a copy of the protocol that was to be followed on this study. And the, fi- and the protocol for this study was finalized on September 5th. 2001, and so two months later, then this this relationship came up, and um, so and the CDC co-authors were all made aware of the relationship. Um, So they knew, they knew, and but however, if you look at the uh, final publication, uh, they claimed that there's no statistically significant risk for African Americans. So they knew about this, are you saying they knew about this in 2001 and they, they've hidden that data for 13 years um, to the point where now one child in 68 at least has a diagnostic label of autism? That is correct. They, they hid that for 13 years and they um, used extremely dubious statistics uh, in order to bury that particular relationship, and they did a huge no-no in terms of CDC ethics. They breached their original protocol in order to cover up this particular relationship. And there were discussions, uh, you know, based on the individual that I've, I've been in contact with, there were discussions among the CDC co-authors on how they would cover up this particular relationship, what they would do. Wow. Beyond so knew- not good. Wow. Yes. So, and just to clarify for our listeners, uh, okay, and the, the CDC breached its own protocols. Not only did they wrong the world's children by allowing manipulated, misleading, incorrect data to go out there that bolstered people minimizing vaccine risks, to the public, 
they even breached their own protocols. Let's get back to clarifying something that we were talking about earlier just for our um, listeners' benefit. Um, very briefly, Dr. Hooker, we said that Dr. Frank DiStefano's uh, presentation to the 2004 IOM in that he said children with autism were more likely to be vaccinated before 36 months of age compared to matched controls. And then you and I uh, confirmed that that's another way of stating children who were vaccinated prior to 36 months were more likely to have autism compared to matched controls. And you, in essence, Dr. Hooker said that's saying the same thing. So what Dr. Stefano said at the IOM was the same thing that was uh, published in the 2004 DiStefano and colleagues paper. And you said that that pretty much amounted to a concession on the part of the CDC before the IOM that there was a problem. Uh, is all that correct? That is correct. It's, okay. you, you can read it directly uh, from the transcripts of the IOM meeting. You can also read it directly in the original DiStefano uh, et al. paper that appeared in pedi- pediatrics in 2004. There is an admission that there is a statistically significant relationship. So at this point in our program, I'd like to ask you, Dr. Hooker, to please give our listeners a summary of the findings of your study and why this is important to children everywhere, scientifically in terms of your study and sociopolitically in terms of the actions of the CDC. Well, what I did was I I repeated the analysis of the CDC, and I got a um, strong statistically significant relationship uh, between the timing of the MMR vaccine and autism incidents uh, in African-American children. But then, like I said before, I took it one step further, and I saw that this, this particularly strong, statistically significant relationship uh, was specific to African-American males. When I looked at African-American males alone within this study, they were 3.4 times more likely to receive an autism diagnosis if they got their MMR vaccine on time. And so we have a gender and, gender and uh, race-specific group that is, um, is, is essentially targeted and is having adverse effects due to this particular vaccine and perhaps the entire vaccination schedule. It was difficult to control for the rest of the vaccination schedule, but you would presume that those individuals that got the MMR on time probably got everything else on time, and those individuals that got the MMR late probably got everything else late. So we have, you know, this this uh, uh, huge uh, Pandora's box that we need to open up and figure out what is it that is happening with African-American males. And, you know, scientifically, um, this, you know, there, for, for, for the longest time, many of us have been arguing that the one-size-fits-all vaccination schedule just does not work. And now we have a clear and specific instance where that does not, it does not work. And, and unfortunately, we're targeting an underserved population of African-American males. And uh, the CDC uh, knew about this. The CDC washed their hands of this using a very, very dubious statistical method. And, you know, I, the, the emotion that I feel mostly is outrage. We need to know what's going on. We need to be able to protect um, all facets of the population and um, not just, you know, not just Caucasians, uh, not just females, whatever. This, this is, this is a, a huge finding. And um, the uh, CDC whistleblower has verified over and over again uh, to me specifically, they knew about this relationship, they covered it up, and this individual encouraged me to publish my results, and that's exactly what I did. Dr. Hooker, you described earlier that many of the people associated with the 2004 DiStefano study are in charge to this day, do have significant jurisdiction over the welfare of children welfare of children in this country and putting out data in a way that affects the opinion of the rest of the world and how they care for their children. In this study, data was manipulated. So people in charge of children's welfare are associated with this study. That manipulated data misled so many parents for so many years 
people who were giving parents information and so misled so many parents for all these years. One in 68 children with the diagnostic label of autism, Dr. Hooker, here's the gazillion-dollar question. These so-called scientists who were involved with this study, were they involved with other studies that have been used to, to bolster uh, parents getting their children vaccinated to reassure parents misleadingly? Uh, these, these, this is the, the heart and the core of the vaccine safety program at the CDC. And so Frank DiStefano has been, has co-authored numerous, you know, over, uh, you know, over 50. I don't know exactly the number of vaccine safety studies that he has co-authored, but numerous studies that look at um, uh, individual outcomes like neurodevelopmental disorders, including autism, uh, studies regarding thimerosal safety, um, Dr. Colleen Boyle uh, was instrumental in uh, studies coming out of Denmark regarding the thimerosal-containing vaccines and the MMR vaccine. Um, uh, Dr. Marshallin Jurgen Alsop has also uh, participated in these studies. And so what this does, this calls into question in this highly conflicted agency, this agency that is supposed to be promoting uh, vaccine uptake in the United States, but yet at the same time is supposed to warn us whether these vaccines are safe or not. This agency that buys $4 billion worth of vaccines per year from vaccine manufacturers and then distributes them from the states, so are, they are beholden to the pharmaceutical industry. And so we cannot trust any vaccine safety data. This, uh, study. This, this calls into question all the vaccine safety studies that the CDC has come out with. And, um, you know, Dr. Boyle and Dr. DiStefano specifically have been very prolific regarding their uh, uh, protection and uh, of, of uh, the vaccination program at all costs. This is the first domino, and it is down. And we're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll be right back with Dr. Brian Hooker. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you or someone you love struggle with Alzheimer's disease or some other disorder? Many times, there is not an adequate support forum where you can learn from and discuss topics from top guest experts. Tune in to NeuroMatters, The Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Although thought of as a disease that affects only older individuals, increasingly, symptoms are being found in people who are in their 40s and 50s. Get the answers. NeuroMatters airs live Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had your CBD today? CBD, or cannabidiol, is a natural part of hemp oil that's making headlines in 2014. Hemp Meds is the world's trusted source for CBD-rich hemp oil because they see total body care as a necessity, not a luxury. Hemp Meds offers premium CBD-rich hemp oils in a variety of ways, from natural hair and skin care to herbal supplements and lifestyle products. And CBD-rich hemp oil is available right now in all 50 states. Quality begins with non-GMO industrial hemp cultivars, grown on family farms using no pesticides, herbicides, or toxic fertilizers. Only with Hemp Meds are you guaranteed consistent, quality, natural CBD-rich hemp oil from Healthy Hemp. There are so many different ways to enjoy CBD-rich hemp oil from Hemp Meds. The only question we have for you is... Have you had your CBD today? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Brian Hooker, and Brian, in the preceding segments, we ascertained that you had background information from the CDC, used their data, used their methodology, used the same computer program, yet 
you found a problem that the public should have been made aware of, a very grave problem. Dr. Hooker, there's an allegation out there that you uh, have, in essence, with your current study, refuted Dr. Andrew Wakefield's work. I would like to ask you why that is a ridiculous allegation. What is the burden of proof that the CDC or anyone must show to demonstrate that anything has a statistically significant risk? And have you done that here with MMR? Yeah, I saw, um, I had actually kind of heard through uh, the grapevine in the autism community that uh, that uh, a blogger or, or maybe a couple of bloggers had made the allegation that somehow I refuted uh, Dr. Wakefield's work. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, Dr. Wakefield was looking at specific cases and uh, saw and confirmed that uh, there were uh, there were uh, massive gastrointestinal problems uh, and also MMR virus in the gut, in the nodules uh, that were biopsied in these particular individuals. Um, the the, the uh, contention by these bloggers is that somehow, because I did not see the effect in Caucasian populations, that the effect wasn't there. And you, you cannot prove that. Uh, you, you cannot, in statistics, prove a negative. You cannot prove that a specific st- association is not there. What you can show is when a statistical association is there. Okay, so you can use this to warn the public, but um, by no means does my work uh, refute anything that Dr. Wakefield has done, nor does it give the all-clear message to other race and gender groups regarding the MMR vaccine. We just don't know enough. This creates a huge question mark in, you know, within these particular data um, is that uh, there's a, there, there is a uh, distinct subgroup, African-American males, that are, are specifically susceptible, but the rest of the race and gender groups do not get a pass. I'm, I'm sorry, that is, uh, that, that is just uh, not scientifically plausible. It's just not how statistics work. So in summary, uh, Dr. Hooker, I'd really appreciate if you would please give our listeners a synopsis of why data manipulation in the 2004 DiStefano study is significant insofar as calling into question the whole infrastructure upon which so many vaccine safety arguments have been based. This is, um, I, I will tell you, based on the information that has been shared to me, beyond the DiStefano paper and beyond MMR, there are numerous uh, instances of scientific malfeasance, uh, data cherry-picking in order to paint a rosy picture for the current vaccination schedule and the vaccination schedule historically. And, you know, we, we have one instance where we have an individual that's come forward and confirmed that a relationship was known and then a relationship was obviated using very, you know, this birth certificate criteria. CDC actually claims that they couldn't get race information except for off of the valid Georgia birth certificates. I'm here to say that that is just a bunch of hooey. When I look at the data, I have the original data sets. We have race information for everybody in that cohort, regardless of whether they have a valid Georgia birth certificate or not. So that wow. is a flat-out lie. Wow. So CDC came out with a statement yesterday saying that they needed the birth certificate in order to ascertain race information. That actually not only... Uh, is that a lie based on the data set that I am in possession of right now? I went back and I confirmed and made sure that there was vaccination data and there was race data for everybody in the cohort. There was. and But not only that, but the original protocol said that race as a covariate, which is a associated variable, would be ascertained for the entire study sample, not just the birth certificate sample. I pulled that quote directly out of the original CDC protocol. And so, so, so these folks, you know, we, they lied before. Now they're lying about lying. Where else have they lied? We, this, again, like I said before, this calls into question 
everything that the CDC has done regarding vaccine safety, because this is one instance we know about. There are other instances that I've been able to uncover via the FOIA. I uh, published a paper in uh, uh, regarding thimerosal malfeasance in the journal Biomed uh, Research International that uh, came out in July. And so, you know, this, I, I, would, I have to say, you know, we're getting a lot of press traction. We're getting a lot of uh, lo- the word out is, is getting out uh, much more widespread than I've seen, uh, you know, in my 12 years of work in this community. Um, but there is much, much more. Dr. Hooker, thank you so very much. Quotable quote of the day, they've lied and they've lied about lying. Any closing messages for parents? Um, I would I would stay tuned. I, I would stay tuned regarding, you know, and, and follow uh, this particular story. Um, I am not a physician. I'm not a pediatrician, so I'm not going to tell people how to vaccinate. Okay, I think that that's a very, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a very thoughtful decision that each parent has to come up uh, with uh, for themselves. But I do say that the, you know, this, this calls into question the entire vaccine safety program and the entire vaccination schedule. I want people that are uh, considering vaccinating their children to have all the information in front of them so they can make wise choices in, as consumers. And we cannot rely upon the information that the CDC is putting out there. Right. In informed consent, it's really important to have accurate information in order to be informed in the first place. Right. Right. And you don't, do not, you know, the government has showed us over and over again, do not trust the government to tell you what to put inside your body or your child's body. Well, I want to thank Dr. Hooker, Marcella, and Candace for being my guests today and having this eye-opening conversation toward protecting children. Uh, Marcella and Candace will be back so that um, we can have a, uh, a discussion with them again, uh, picking up on our discussion of August 19th. We would uh, also like you to please visit our friends at Focus Autism at focusautism.org, which kindly supported Dr. Hooker's incredibly important work. Please also visit Vax Truth at www.vaxtruth.org. Dr. Hooker, Marcella, and Candace will be on hand next May in Chicago at Autism One 2015. In the meantime, you can meet Dr. Brian Hooker, our keynote speaker, and Candace, our guest, at the Sheraton Universal this week in Universal City, California, on Friday, August 29th. This is at the free Autism One Thrive Conference. Please register at www.autismone.org. My guest on this show next week is Wendy Fournier, president of the National Autism Association, talking about the National Autism Conference November 13th through 16th in Tampa, St. Pete. Please visit www.nationalautismconference.org. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. 